So if you'd like to open to Isaiah 55, same chapter we were in last week, a little bit farther on. And as you do that, I'll talk a little bit about comic books. For those of you who don't know, I grew up one of the most avid comic book readers on the planet. Uh, we would go with Dad to the store to Albertson's down there on Sprague and Havana. And, and they had this, these racks of comic books. And while Dad was shopping, we were reading comic books. And then I got a paper route. And I started buying all the comics. I bought them. I, brought, I read them again and again and again. I was totally engulfed. By the way, in those days, comic books were clean. And the heroes were noble. It was just like cool. But, but anyway, I remember one, one vividly, because I was raised Catholic, if, uh, if you weren't aware of that. Uh, I was raised Catholic, and um, there was one issue. I don't know if it was Thor, if it was Avengers or whatever, but Thor, the god of thunder, met some nuns. <laughs> and as a Catholic boy, boy, did that catch my attention. Probably nobody else remembers that issue, but it, to me it was like, Oh, no, what's going to happen now? And, and guess what? It was Thor who got uneasy. <laughs> and he, I remember his, you know, his little thought bubble, you know, they, they do that in the comics, went something to the effect of, well, we never claimed to be the absolute god. <laughs> and, and the nuns were, were and believe me, I, I don't know what the nuns were like in the writer's intention, but I knew, I know nuns, they were sitting there ready to tell him to go wash his face or something, they were, because that's what nuns do. They don't look at you and leave you alone. They make you do something. Uh, because I know, because I was raised in a Catholic grade school for eight years. And I, yeah, uh, You know, mythology, when you look at mythology, when we look at the things that people call gods, they're, they are greater than man, but they all had their limitations. I mean, if you, even if you go to the big guys, to Zeus or, or, or uh, Jupiter or whatever name you want to use, they all still had their limitations. They, yeah, even the New Zealand gods. <laughs> I have no idea what they were like. Um, they, had, they, were, they were limited. They, most of them were not especially good. They were just the average guy as far as morality went. Uh, but, uh, and some of them were much worse than that. They were drinkers. They were, were sex-focused. They were, they were uh, limited in their power. They were, they were not morally powerful. They were not physically uh, unlimited. They were not spiritually powerful to the kind of way we think of. And they had limited range of interest. And, and probably... Uh, these things came out of, uh, I mean, there's different ways. We, like, where did these gods come from? And, and you know, the, your anthropologists will have different ideas on that. Uh, I would say they, they come out of God, say, the, what Ecclesiastes says, God has placed eternity in their hearts, and we all know there has to be something more. But uh, they would probably, you know, say that uh, they come out of our desire to anthropomorphize everything. You know, we want to, you know, we want to hug trees and things like that. And, I, you know, I know John is actually a secret closet tree hugger. <laughs> usually, usually about the time he's throwing it into, into the, the wood stove, he goes, oh, I love you. <laughs> and then he throws it in because that's what he loves about it. But, uh, you know, maybe it goes back to actual angels and demons. Maybe it goes back to the Nephilim uh, at the time of, of Noah or creatures like Goliath or those kinds of things. And, and people would go back that, and they would make these gods. And it's really interesting if, you know, and I don't follow these things. I, I like the comic book movies, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, in those what we find is that the things that we call, that, that an ancient man called gods, we find, oh, well, they're just aliens. 
And that is actually a really popular view today, that aliens with powers came down and did kind of things. And, and most of us think, well, that's comic book stuff. But some people think that's real stuff. And I'm going, it's not. It's, 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 it, but, but what we find is we have these gods. And the whole world everywhere has had gods. You know, small g gods everywhere. And, and, and what we like about these gods is that we can understand them. With their, their sin, with their errors, with their, their foibles, with their, their limitations, we can put them in a box and they fit in that box and they don't get out of the box. If, if we're going to have something more powerful than us, we at least want to be able to understand it. We want them to be within our ability to reason or to figure out. And the God of the Bible is not one of these. The God of the Bible is not like that. He is not just a bigger version of his. When, when God made us in his image, we resemble him in many ways, but not that much, right? We are tiny little itty-bitty versions, right? And, and, and we have intelligence, but not that much. <laughs> we have personality, but not that much. We have, we have uh, body, soul, and spirit. But, you know, the body is this big, and the mind is three pounds, and, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so today what we're going to do is consider who God is and how great he is and what our role is in response to that. So we're going to see first God compared to us, then God compared to the gods, and finally at how this knowledge of God should result in us willingly being submissive to him. So Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. First, you know, there are limitations on our ability to think. And sometimes it's more obvious than others, is it not? For instance, when, you, when, you, when you're walking along and you go, what was I doing? Right? I'm the only one, right? <laughs> you know what I did yesterday? We were at the mall, and uh, um, Joan says, we need to buy you a new green shirt. By the way, this is my new green shirt. Okay. Uh, and, and so we went, to, and we went to the clearance rack in JCPenney's. This is my new $15 shirt. Okay. <laughs> Even better. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, we, we, we went to, uh, first we went to Zales, got my, my ring that has been resized, so it actually will fit and come off if I need it to, and, and polished, yeah. So, so got my ring, we went to coffee, which was really nice, we went and got my shirt, and then as we're walking out of the mall, I say, uh-oh, I don't have my phone. And I'm going, oh no, where is it? I took my sweater off up in pennies, and we go back up to pennies, and we go through the whole rack and everything. It's not there. Go to, the, go to the counter. Did anybody turn in a phone? No. Okay. They say, call back. Someone might turn up. We go down. We go back to K Jewelers. No, we don't have the, they, they say, well, there's this one. They flipped it over. It was this really glittery gold one. I'll say, oh, yes. <laughs> but I didn't. And, and, uh, and, and we get back to the car, and there it is. <laughs> Point being, guess who has limitations on his ability to think and drug his wife all around the mall twice? <laughs> it's like, it's like uh-oh, you know. And, and, and think about it. How long has it been since you said, oh, why didn't I think of that, right? How long has it been since you made plans that didn't work out the way you thought they would, 
right? And we start finding out there are limitations on our ability to think. No matter how intelligent or how well educated you are or how fully trained or how experienced, your thinking ability on any issue is limited. And as long as you're comparing people to people, you may come off looking pretty good in many cases, right? But if you compare people to God, <laughs> wow. You know, that there's a phrase, you're, you're swimming in a small pond. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm the best chess player on my block. <laughs> Don't go two blocks. <laughs> you know? But on my block, man, I'm good. And, you know, small, as long as you keep the small pond, we can, the pond small, <laughs> we can look pretty good. But if we make the pond a little bit bigger, we might have trouble. So our thinking ability is limited. And second, our perspective is really limited. And, and, and whether you want to admit it or not, you are the center of your world. We all know God's supposed to be the center of our world, but somehow we keep pushing ourselves in. But, but even if you're trying your best and, and you have God as the focus of your life, you still, you feel cold, so you put on a sweater. You feel hungry, so you eat something. You feel thirsty, so you drink something. You feel lonely. You feel bored. Those thoughts direct our thinking. Those feelings direct our thinking. It works. I, I work from a, from, a, from a perspective that eyeballs are this tall, and everything I see in the world comes from the perspective of eyeballs this tall, right? And, and chances are you're not seeing from that same perspective. But for me, it's absolutely normal. I've been seeing from eyes at this height for a long time, and it's how things are supposed to be seen. But, but if I, I've thought about this before. If all of a sudden I was six foot five, I'd probably be tripping everywhere I went. I'd probably be running into walls and doors and, and things like that. I'd be a danger to myself and others because I'm not, my perspective is, as God intended, five foot eight. <laughs> That's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I'm at the center of, of my, my world. When I hear a forecast, right or wrong, when I hear a forecast, my thought is, how does that affect me? I don't think about how the farmers getting rain for their crop. I'm not thinking about, is it too hot for somebody else? I'm thinking about how it affects me and my plans that I made. Will I be able to do the things I wanted with this forecast? And then I might think about how it affects you and say, oh, it's too bad for the farmers. You know, but, but for me, I'm just as happy as can be. It's because it's about me. When I hear about inflation, sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. Uh, but when I hear about inflation, I think about how is it going to affect me? Right? Because guess who's at the center of my world? It's me. And my perspective is from me. That's how I am. It's the center of my world. Uh, my education, my experiences, my convictions, my age, my faith, my culture, everything about my thinking is limited from the perspective that I have. And, and, and it is limited is the best word I can use. And God's perspective has no such limitations. You can say, well, he sees it only from his perspective. Okay. <laughs> his perspective is correct. Uh, there, he has no limitation on his ability to think. He has no li limitation based on culture or, or training or education or anything. His thoughts are not my thoughts. They, they, they simply aren't. His ways are not our ways. If you start thinking about customs, uh, just, just the different customs we have in the world, and the way we do it is right. Why is it right? Because it's how we do it. And, 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 and it's the way it is. It's, it's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, you, you brush your teeth before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning. And those of you who do both are just compulsive, uh, OC, yeah. <laughs> but but the, J, J, Lorraine and, and Judah 
brush their teeth before bed every night. And I brush my teeth in the morning. I'm sorry. And, and it seems like every other night, Lorraine's saying, how come Papa doesn't have to brush his teeth at night? <laughs> I'm going, don't you worry about Papa. <laughs> okay, what is the right answer for your children, parents? Dating, courtship, arranged marriage, or a locked cell? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and you can have your answer that you will say, this is right, this is what I want, this is those kind of things. And guess what? They may not be the same answer for everybody. One of the very first things that I ever confronted this church on, and, and by confronted, I mean sit here and said, hey, people, get this right, was, was where you send your kids to school. Because we had, and I didn't understand, I'd been here for, for I, we came in June, right? Had three school-aged kids, came in June, and everybody kept asking us where we were sending our kids to school. You never get asked that in the city, but in a, in a small town, it's a big issue. I had no idea, and I, and I thought, why do people keep asking me this? And finally, I found out it was an issue. So I, I, the very first thing I confronted is, hey, people, back off. <laughs> I said, if, if, if someone wants to homeschool their children, or someone wants to send their kids to Christian school, or someone wants to send their kids to public school, and they are doing what is most important in their eyes, what they feel, it's their decision, it's their right, and everybody says... It was, it was like everybody said, oh, good, now we don't have to fight over that. It was, it was funny. You expect people are going to get mad? No, they were like, wow, he took that off our shoulders. Uh, and and, uh, and it, was, it was a really nice thing. We make different choices, and we decide on our choices for our reasons and our perspective and what we think and all those things, and, and we're not all the same, and we make our guesses, and we see it according to our thinking and our ways, and God's ways are not our ways. He's not limited the way we are. He is not limited to what we say. He's not limited to what we think. He's not limited to how we were raised. He has none of those things. And so we come to a phrase that you've all heard. The Lord moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And I thought, so I guess, who knows what I did? That's right, I Googled it. St. <laughs> Google. And it turns out it's, uh, it's from a poem first. It was turned into a hymn. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And I thought, wow, that's good. So I looked it up. I said, I have these books on, on hymns, stories of hymns. Let me check it out and see what I find. Interesting story. Forgive me if I digress to a little bit. A little bit. To the river driver, ordered William Cowper as he entered the carriage. The river, asked the driver as he picked up the reins, where and why? Anywhere along the riverbank, answered the deranged poet. God has ordered me to take my own life, and I prefer to drown rather than to hang myself. <laughs> this is the guy who's about to write a hymn, <laughs> by the way. Did you say God ordered you to take your own life, the driver asked, as he headed for the O-U-S-E River? Somebody help me out. That must be French, right? <laughs> Okay, to the river. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of losers. I, can't <laughs> I was counting on somebody to bail me out there. Uh, okay, um, okay, back to the river. Okay, <laughs> yes, yes, replied the confused lawyer. God hates me. You see, I am not one of God's elect, and because I have not been elected to salvation, I am to be eternally damned, and as my punishment, God has ordered me to slay myself. Somebody give that kid a buck. 
The driver quickly realized the unbalanced condition of his passenger's mind and breathed the prayer of thanks when a sudden fog enveloped the area. This will help, he said to himself, as he purposely lost his way in the dense fog. Several hours later, he was still jogging up one road and down another when he looked back and saw his passenger lying in a deep sleep. Stopping in front of the house where he had picked him up, the driver called, Here we are, sir, here we are. Roused from a deep slumber, Cowper stopped, stepped from the carriage, paid his fare, turned toward the house and said, We're back home. How is that? Uh, got lost in the fog, sir. Sorry. Where did I order you to go? To the river, sir, so you could take your life because you said God told you to, replied the relieved driver. Then God be praised for sparing my life, Cowper said. God, uh, God be thanked for having overruled my foolish delights. Our thoughts, I must have been in one of my melancholic moods, but I'm all right now, thanks to his great mercy. Dismissing the carriage, he went into his home that same evening in 1774. Uh, reflecting upon his narrow escape, he wrote the autobiographical hymn, which contains the majestic lines, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. His clients his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. You go, whoa, I mean, think about that. Think about how limited... We are in our ability to plan and carry out our plans. And what God did there, and, 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 and I think the guy rightly, I mean, the guy, I'm going, I'm going these, we should uh, vet the people who write our hymns, <laughs> first of all. It's like, this guy had problems. I don't think, I, I don't think he's qualified. <laughs> but, but he was sure qualified to write what he wrote. Through his experience, he looked and saw how God did something totally unpredictable and un, un imaginable to, to save his life and come up with a, a line that we have been using, you know, whether we sing the hymn or not, and the hymn is really short. Uh, we actually have it in our hymn book. It's hymn number 54, if you want to look at it uh, and ignore me for a few minutes, you can do that. Uh, but uh, um, he, he did this. God is not limited by power. God is not limited by custom. God is not limited by cost. God is not limited by ability. God is not limited by imagination, right? Uh, it's like, it's like uh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And you think through how you're going to do it. And, and, and the funny thing is, is, is uh, you, you work out your plan, and it looks so awesome. And you know, the only way that plan will ever work is in a piece of fiction. <laughs> because in the real life, what happens to these plans? They, they just plain, well, I shouldn't say they don't work. They very rarely work. They don't work out the way we want. But God has got these things. So, so if he's not limited by those things, does God have any limitations at all? The answer is yes. God cannot sin, right? He cannot deny himself. Here's a limitation. Whatever God does, it must be good. Yeah, God works all things, Romans 8, 28, for God works all things together for the good for those who love him who are called according to his will. It must be worth it, which I find to be of tremendous comfort in trial. Whatever is going on here, and I think about this when I think of things that happen to me personally, I think about it when I look at things like what's happening in Ukraine. Whatever God is doing here, whatever God is allowing here, it is worth it because God is in control and it must be. And, but within those limitations, God can do absolutely, he can do the most absurd and unpredictable and unreasonable things. He can split the Red Sea so that people can walk through on dry ground. And then when others try to chase him, he can say, I'm done, <laughs> and let it go back. I mean, how many of the Israelites do you think were predicting that? <laughs> they weren't. It, it was not there. He can have the ground open up and swallow Dathan and Abiram, woo, and close back up. 
as if they hadn't been there at all. Again, how many people do you think, uh, well, actually, I know who was expecting it, because Moses said, he said, if, you die, if these men die a normal death, then it's not the Lord that does it, but if the ground opens up and swallows them whole and then closes back up, then you know it was the Lord. And, and, and people were standing around going, yeah, right. <laughs> and then he did it. He's, he's not limited by power. He's not limited by imagination. He's not limited by, by people, right? He can make a donkey talk, right? Balaam's donkey, because this is church. <laughs> he can stop the sun for a whole day like he did for Joshua. He can make the shadow, the, the, the sun go back 10 steps, the shadow go backwards 10 steps on the stairs like he did for Hezekiah. It, it, it's like these things are, it's like he's, it's, <laughs> what's next, guys? Come on, throw me a hard one. You know, make me, make me work at this. The, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways because he doesn't have any of the limitations that we have. And then he says this in verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So how much higher are the heavens than the earth? And so you start asking the question like, where do the heavens start? Where, where do the heavens start? Because at that point, so I've been to the top of Pikes Peak, 14,000 feet. Um, mountain touches the sky, right? Mount Everest is roughly twice the height of Pikes Peak. People have been there. I have not. Do not intend to be. Do not understand why you would want to be. But uh, uh, people have been there. Mountains touch the sky. So if that's the base of heavens, if the peak of earth touches the base of heaven, do we say then, okay, we've made it, we've reached God? <laughs> okay, if you reach the base of heaven, how much farther does heaven go? <laughs> so, and if we take this and we turn it into our ability to think and our ability to reason, then the very highest points of our thinking can reach the very bottom part of understanding God. And that only because he has revealed it to us, not because we figured anything out. Because how far out is just the middle part of heaven? It's really easy math. You just divide infinity by two. <laughs> and so if man's thinking, best thinking, can grasp God's simplest things, do we then boast that we, have under, that we understand God? that we've made it? And the answer is, is, is wise men do not make such claims. Wise men don't, don't do something like that. And, and we remember, the Bible is given to us by revelation. It is not given to us by reason. It is not given to us by science. It is not given to us by intellect or even emotion. It is given to us by revelation. God let us know what he wanted us to know. It is not a book of things people figured out or sensed. Uh, it, is, is, it is God that did it. First Peter chapter 2, or 2 Peter, Peter chapter 1. <laughs> Dyslexic moment, sorry about that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And you want to listen carefully to what this says, because it's really really important. Peter is writing, and he's talking about paying attention to Scripture. He says, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture came as a matter of one's own interpretation. In other words, nobody figured this stuff out. But, oh, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Nobody did it, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. 
and it was the Holy Spirit's moving that put all Scripture together. No Scripture came about by a prophecy, a matter of someone's own interpretation or someone's own thinking. None of it came that way. All of Scripture came by revelation from God. It's the only way it came. It had to be revealed. It is beyond us. We have the ability to accept it. Right? And as we accept it, and as we accept it by faith and realize it, it makes sense to us and we can grasp it. We can grasp the things revealed to us. But woe to us, danger, when we start trying to add to it and say, well, then let's extrapolate. And I do that a lot. I'll say, okay, you know, okay now let's go on. We start talking about uh, you know, what our bodies will be like in heaven. We, we, uh, today, anybody, anybody do today's daily bread? 1 Corinthians 15, one of the most fun passages in the Bible. Uh, that's where I always say when I get to heaven I want to kick a rock. Have a new body, want to find out if it can hurt, right? Paul, if there's no rocks, what am I kicking? Fly. No, you know, that's what you want to do is fly. I want, but if there's no rock, what am I kicking, Paul? Yeah. Paul? Paul, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there may not be a rock, but Paul will be there. <laughs> you know, God's word, this is another, another verse, 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14, I think it is, for the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually revealed, and he cannot understand them. Right? The natural man cannot understand the things of God. The person who believes in God can. God's word makes sense to people who have the Spirit of God, uh, to people who receive God's word. But recognize we are receivers only. We're like a television or a radio. We receive and we can broadcast what we receive, but we can't do more than that. We can't create we can't invent. If we start trying to, we've done wrong. Uh, we, we've gone beyond what is right. It has to be revealed because it is beyond our thinking. It is beyond our ability to reason out. Like the heavens above the earth, God's thinking and God's ways are beyond us. Okay, so real quickly, there are several. When I talk about gods and God, there are several encounters in the Bible between God and gods. Okay, and, and I have a few of them here. Elijah on Mount Carmel, we're not going to turn there. We've, we've been there enough. I go there too often because it's one of my favorite passages. But Elijah is on the mountain, and the prophets of Baal are there, and they're trying to call down fire. They can't call down fire. Elijah calls down fire. It licks up the, the, the uh, first he dumped a bunch of water on it, licks up the water, licks up the offering, licks up the wood, licks up the stone, licks up, licks, licks up the dust. And then he says, okay, bring the prophets here, let's kill them. And they, and they killed them all. And that's how it went. But, and, and, and Elijah, while they were going on trying to call down their fire, he's, he's making fun of them. He says, well, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's sleeping. Yell louder. <laughs> Wake him up. Most people who study these things think he's basically saying, is he on the pot? <laughs> you know, is he busy in the bathroom? <laughs> Get him out of there. You know, sometimes dad takes a long time. So <laughs> uh, get him out of there. Come on. And, and the guys get more worked up. And, because he's a little God. And Elijah is not scared of a little God. He's not impressed by this. So, so that's one, one encounter between God and God. So let's go to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 7, is where the, the, the guys don't, when, when Jonah says, uh, I want you to see what happens when Jonah tells them about his God. Jonah chapter 1. Verses uh, 7 through 10. The, the storm has come up so suddenly and is so ferocious that they're calling on gods. I'll start at verse 7. Each man said to his mate, come, let's cast lots so we can find out on whose account this catastrophe has struck us. They say, this is not a normal storm. This is, a, this is from, from 
a god. That's, that's what they're thinking, right? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. And each man said to his mate, come, let's cast, cast lots. We can find out on whose account this catastrophe has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this catastrophe struck us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and from what people are you? So he told them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely afraid and said, how could you do this? <laughs> what, what kind of an idiot are you to defy that God? They recognized their God. Well, maybe it's my God. Maybe it's my God. I don't know. I don't know if my God can do this. Maybe it's your God. I don't know. Let's cast lots. And, and, and uh, when Jonah, he says, I'm... I'm serve the God who made it all. <laughs> and they, go, they become extremely afraid and yell at him, how could you do this? What, what kind of an idiot are you, Jonah? They knew the difference between their gods and the God that he served. Okay, uh, keep going. Another example, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14. This is kind of a fun one. And, and I, I specifically wanted to go to the New Testament. So Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are on their first mission trip. Right? They took three mission trips, Oh, well, Paul went on three mission trips. The first one was Barnabas. The other two were Saul, Silas. Uh, and and uh, in Acts chapter 14, they're making their rounds. They come to a city called Lystra. And as they walk into Lystra, they find a guy who is lame. And they see he has faith as he's listening to them. And they, they heal him. In Lystra was a man sitting whose feet were incapacitated. He had been disabled since his mother's womb and had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Paul looked at him intently and saw that he had faith to be made well. And he said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So when they saw people doing big things, miraculous things, they said they have to be gods. Because in their mind, gods were little things that did stuff like that. And if they had power, that, but these are just people serving God. And these people were so baffled by this, they said, this has to be God. Only gods could do this. It's not gods. I mean, they would have been right if they said this is only God and turned to God. The funny thing is, is that, that uh, they rejected Paul and Silas and chased them out and, and would not listen to them and, and stoned Paul and left him for dead. And, and uh, you go, wow, you go from thinking he's a god to doing this because there's someone else involved. And, and then one more passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. And this one is not telling us a story of what has happened. This one is telling us what will happen. Okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. Let no one deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple, displaying himself as being God. So you hear what he's doing here. He's taking him, talking about the Antichrist, he's taking a seat in the temple, exalting himself above every so-called god and calling himself God. Now, now how does he get away with this? Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? You know who, what restrains him now so that he will be revealed in the time? For the mystery of lawlessness is at work only. He who now restrains will do so until he is removed. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth to bring an end by the appearance of his coming. All that's saying what's going to happen. But here's how he does it. That is, the one who's a coming is in accord 
with the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all the deception of the wickedness for those who perish because they did not love the truth so as to be saved. And what do we find? Because the Antichrist comes in and he does his tricks and shows some power, people are willing to believe he is God. They are willing to be deceived by this little God because they do not know the big God. And because they do not know the big God, they are willing to be deceived by the little God. And, and, and the gods we understand are little gods. They, they, we can fit them in a box. We can be happy with them. Uh, but they don't fare very well when they encounter the living God. By the way, the Antichrist is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. You can read that in Revelation 19 if you'd like. Uh, or you can just save time and say, oh, I believe you. <laughs> But the living God is as much beyond them as he is beyond us. Okay. So I want to flip back, back in Isaiah 55. And we've been looking at verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the application to this actually came before those verses. Look at verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts. And let them return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What do we do with this amazing, awesome God who is so far beyond us? Uh, first answer, seek him. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. This awesome God, this God who is absolutely beyond himself, beyond us in every possible way, has made himself available to us. This God that we cannot begin to comprehend, this God that we cannot bring down, has brought himself down to us and presented him to us. This God who defies imagination, has done this. He is, he is, I mean, think about when I say he defies the imagination, he is the uncaused cause. And, that, and people really can't make sense out of that. It doesn't work. Defies the laws of nature to be an uncaused cause. The laws of science do not allow that. He is a trinity, which I don't care how many things you do with an apple or water or, or, or different things. You, the trinity, the more you think about it, the harder it is to grasp. He is eternal. He is not bound by time, right? These are things that when we... Try, has anybody ever gotten dizzy trying to understand God? First headache I ever had. <laughs> first what? First headache. I oh, first headache, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's too much. What do you say? It's too wonderful for me. I cannot comprehend it, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond me. And none of these things... I think, is harder to explain or understand than that he would lower himself and come to us. That is, that is like, uh, the others, they're, they're beyond me, but at least I can accept them. But this one, it's like it defies, I don't know. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's at least as hard as everything else for me. But he says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And he may be found right now. And he is near right now. Right now. While he may means right now. Because we don't know when that time is going to end. You do not know. Turn to God. Listen to this. 
Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We have a promise from God of how he will respond when we turn to him. He will not do to us as our deeds deserve. He will have compassion on us. He will abundantly pardon. And why would he do that? And the answer is, I don't know. His ways are beyond me. <laughs> His thinking is beyond mine. I can't grasp them. But you know what? He has revealed that truth to us. And I don't have to understand it. I don't have to make sense of it. It doesn't have to fit in my little box of how things work. <laughs> it's bigger than the box. If, and you know, the, the saying is, it's small and it's kind of cutesy, but, but at the same time, do you want a God that you can understand? Do you want a God that's so little that you can grasp everything about him? Okay, guys, do you understand your wife? <laughs> if you can't understand your wife, do you think you can understand God? It's like you know, God is even bigger than your wife. So, uh, so if we can barely understand what he has revealed, imagine how much more there is beyond what he has just revealed. I mean, it's like, I don't, it's like, my, I, I say that, my brain wants to pop. It's like, holy moly, there's more out there. All I know is that what he reveals to us is true, and what he says he'll do, he will. I didn't figure it out. I don't have to understand it, but I have to accept it. And I have the privilege of accepting it. And I have the privilege of expressing it to you Two, we have a really big God. He is beyond us in every way. Uh, and if we can barely imagine what he has revealed, how much more there is. But I can tell you this. He loves you. And you need him. Right? He is close right now. Take your need to him, and he will have compassion on you. And I, and I want to say, and I will say, if you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, then this is speaking directly to you, and he is there for you. And don't wait and don't put it off. Seek ye the Lord while he is near. Call on him while, call on him while he's near. Seek him while he... <laughs> Little brain, remember? <laughs> Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. But you know what? Sometimes believing people also keep things from him. We keep them to ourselves, or especially, especially ready for this, our sins. That we somehow think that if we don't reveal them to him, we're okay with that? We're not. I don't care how much your sin you think, I don't care if, if I, you say, ha pastor doesn't know my sins. It's okay, your pastor has a little brain. <laughs> God God knows. You're not hiding anything from him. He knows. Go to him. Seek him. Call on him. Abandon your wicked ways. Abandon your wicked thoughts. Turn to the Lord, and he will have compassion on you. Let's pray. Father God, I just praise you for that answer you give us. It's not because we're good that you, you're there for us. It's not because we've earned it that you have compassion on us, but simply because we come to you. And Father, I ask, I ask that in this congregation, as there are people 
who need to come to you, that they, they will. They will find the courage and the hope, the, the ability to express their need to you and find the answers they need. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.